Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetto! Yay! We've got a great episode for you. It's my week! Yay! It's all mine! Uh, It is my week. It's a great time to be alive. I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of it. And this episode is fun. You can tell that we're very tired. We've recorded quite a few episodes in a row, but we wanted to give you guys an intro because, as always, we have some news and reviews. Yes, the uh, the news is that we have a Patreon now. Yay. Uh, we have for quite a while. It's great. It's a fun time. You get a lot of bonus content. Most recently, we just put out an episode on the skull and bones. Yay. It's fucking dope. Uh, and we have a lot of bonus content coming out as well. So make sure and go to patreon.com slash cult podcast to find out about all of our tiers and rewards. At every level, you get a shout out and access to our bonus content, which is the speculations zone it is our show that comes out on alternating weeks so you can catch that on patreon uh next we have a five star review <laughs> this one comes for us from yute katasana oh nice really hope i'm pronouncing this right uh and it says for a long while i was searching for a good solid podcast about cults but everything i found was either very sad or very boring then i found this podcast which is very funny and not boring my boyfriend took me to a live show for my birthday, and it was like four miles away from us, which means two hours in L.A. traffic. <laughs> Thanks so I, for coming. Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. So I played him two episodes while we sat in absolute stillness on the 110 forever. Oh. He was a fan, too, by the time we arrived. A high recommend. Nice. Thanks is, for coming. That's so cute. By the way, that is not becoming a fan. That is Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> we caught your ass. You're trapped in the car with us. <laughs> well, thank you for coming out to the live show. I'm sure you had a great time. And if you did enjoy that live show, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it'll actually still be different than your live show, exactly. even though it's the same topic. So without any further ado, let's get into the show. Hello. Hello. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cole Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Gazetta. Yay! And it's a very special week for Armando Torres. It <laughs> is. Hello. Welcome. Gather round a fire. There you go. Don't do Adderall. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very special episode. <laughs> yeah, don't do drugs, kids. Um, Unless they're the good ones. Yeah. So all of them. Yeah. Do drugs, kids. We are going to be covering over the next series of weeks the group that was the subject for our la 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 live shows. See, here's the deal. We're going to do some more live shows next year, but we're doing them in places that already saw our live shows. We have to make a new live show, which means that you guys got to hear about what happened in the live show. Exactly. So our live shows are great because we incorporate a lot of like visual components and it's like part stand up, part 
cult podcast. It's kind of hard to describe. It's all fun, and I love doing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have been reworking our live show episode into a series because part of the thing about this live show episode is that I spent months researching it. Mm-hmm. So we just have a metric fuck ton of knowledge and so there's even going to be some stuff in here that you guys did not know because oh, i'm so excited because i couldn't necessarily put it into the uh to the original live show because it was you know it had to fit within an hour and a half but these these are gonna be like an hour and a half each baby all right i'm so excited dude i'm very excited hell yeah so before we start i would like to say that the sources list for this is immeasurably long because this took place over the course of about like i said six months it's been a long amount of research um but our main source is the book deadly thrills by j slade fletcher that is the most comprehensive book that was written by a former police officer in uh, the Chicago area about the police officers in the Chicago area. So, you know, she was able to get a lot more in-depth shit than anybody else was. But all of the information in that was corroborated by a countless number of articles, most of which I will try and find again and list online at some point, um, as well as several different documentaries, and even interviews with the lawyers and police officers themselves by Jaboy. So, <laughs> firsthand source material, baby. There Can't you go. Beat it. Yeah. Quote me on Wikipedia, damn it. So, on a cloudy Monday morning in May 1981, Detective Warren Wilkos of the DuPage Sheriff's Office pulled up to the little cluster of buildings known as the Briar Rabbit Motel. The Shady Shacks had been nicknamed the Moonlit Motel by local law enforcement due to its, quote, unsavory clientele. So it's more of like a sweet clientele or like a... <laughs> Uh, I feel like this sounds like it's a place of sex business. Yeah. Where sex you do business. sex work at the place of sex business. Yeah. That's when you fuck, but with a really nice bow tie on. For money. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when it. you have a briefcase for your condoms. <laughs> you fuck, but you're no, not it's allowed. No, when, it's when you put a uh, briefcase over your penis. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you can fuck, but you can only wear jeans on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> To put it simply, the Briar Rabbit Motel's three main selling points were that it was cheap, it rented rooms by the hour, and it had mirrors on the fucking ceiling. Yes! The only people who want mirrors on the ceiling are people who be fucking or Spider-Man on a Coke binge. (laughs) Or people who are fucking Spider-Man on on a a Coke Coke binge. binge. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) But today, the sheriff wasn't here to bust any sex workers or coked out superheroes. He was here to investigate the body that the motel staff had found out back in the nearby woods. Although this wasn't the first day that the staff knew that something was wrong. On the previous Friday, only three days before, the staff had complained of a foul stench coming from the back of the motel. But they chose not to investigate it because the motel was generally home to all kinds of disgusting smells. That is a direct quote from the hotel manager. Plus, the last time they went into the woods, they found like a tree stump full of pornos. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine coming to work and smelling literal death and having your boss just be like, nah, this is how Friday smells full? As someone who had to kill rats. At her last job. Oh, my God. I do. I, I mean, but I can't imagine a whole body. Like, 
I tore apart a shelf for one rat. <laughs> Jesus. Oh because God. it was so overpoweringly bad. Also, if you work at a building and it's described as cloudy and it backs right up into the woods, murders are going to happen. A thousand murders are going to happen. Straight up, though, you know how many like potential workplace problems I've been like pretended not to see so that i can just on a friday so you're just like that's some monday shit (laughs) oh i didn't see your email sorry like i don't want to deal with this shit right now you're fucking crazy it's a friday i didn't see your body i'll respond on monday though bye (laughs) my office is beer on tap so on fridays after like 4 30 all bets are off Somebody breaks out their briefcase and everyone's like, ew, gross. Save <laughs> they, that for the Moonlit Motel. They also have kombucha on tap. <laughs> I want to work where you are. <laughs> but past the other disgusting smells and perverted Marvel characters, Detective Wilkos found the body of a young black woman lying face down wearing nothing but a sweater, a pair of socks, and the nickel-plated handcuffs that bound her hands behind her back. I don't mean to sound prejudiced, but I suspect Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> He's always up to some shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally. Yeah. Get me those photos of Spider-Man right now. <laughs> Get me photos of Spider-Man. And he brings back just like a bunch of fucking photos. He's like, is it from the Moonlit Motel? <laughs> I can't run this on the front page. I'm going to win an Oscar for Whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> Most of this porn is obscured by a briefcase for some reason <laughs> why those... is these so sticky webs oh webs. sure oh. are those jeans <laughs> how dare you it wasn't even friday <laughs> the sweater had no identifying characteristics the handcuffs were wiped clean and the only other thing the officers found was 13 dollars tucked into the young woman's sock and to make matters worse the three days the motel staff had waited to report anything had not been kind to the young woman's body Without clear physical features, identification, or any other clues except for an estimated time of death, which was initially said at 30 days ago, Detective Wilkos was stuck going through missing persons files from the previous month, hoping to get a match, but coming up empty every time. The first break in the case came a few weeks later when Wilkos was talking to a friend who worked as a detective in nearby Chicago Area 5. Wilkos mentioned the peculiar crime scene, and his friend informed him that the victim was likely a sex worker from Chicago. What the small-town sheriff did not know was that in the big city, things were a-changing. A few of Chicago's sex workers were moving away from the traditional quote-unquote pimp method and choosing to work for themselves. Which is, yeah, go small business. You get it. All the women who independent stuff money in your socks. <laughs> Although this meant that they had to find a way to hide their money from patrol cops who might bust them and skeevy dudes who might rob them. And this is where they got super fucking creative. Some women hid the money in their socks. Some hid money in nearby stores. And there was even stories of one woman who earned the nickname Mailbox Marilyn who would carry a stack of self-addressed envelopes in her purse, and each time she was paid, she would seal the money up and drop it in a nearby mailbox. Fucking brilliant. That's so fucking smart. It's so smart. It's you illegal. You get it, girl. It's you a, get that it's money. It's a federal crime to open somebody else's mail. Yeah, she is smart. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Can you, have you ever, like ordered an amazon package and it gets to your house and you're like what the fuck is i don't remember oh that's right this is why i have a copy of hellraiser 8 (laughs) you think she ever did that 
I don't know. Did she have an insatiable lust for Henry Cavill and decide <laughs> to watch everything he'd ever been in? I don't think so. I just meant getting an envelope and just being like, what the fuck is Oh, it? yeah. Oh, probably. foot fetish. I probably. forgot. Mm, yeah. Oh, I yeah. forgot yeah. I fucked that guy. Whoopsie. <laughs> oh, I forgot that Henry Cavill is in this with a terrible American accent and the worst blowjob scene we've ever seen. Great. What's this one? I don't even feel like I work that. Oh, birthday card from grandma. That's ah. right. That's right. <laughs> cool $20. <laughs> So Detective Wilkos knew that the young woman was a sex worker and that she was likely from Chicago uh, and not DuPage County itself. But he still couldn't match her description to any woman who went missing from the city in April 1981. But then he got his second big break. The county coroner had been able to use dental records to identify the woman as 28-year-old Linda Sutton. The reason the detective hadn't been able to find the victim's identity was because the estimated time of death had been completely off. Linda wasn't killed a month ago. When the police arrived at the motel, she had only been dead for three days. Damn. You off, dude. Yeah. The coroner explained the miscalculation later by saying, ordinarily, invading parasites will attack portions of the body where they can most quickly make internal entry, such as the eyes, ears, and rectum. And all of that takes time. In this case, they didn't have to force entry. To put it simply, and rather crudely, both of Linda Sutton's breasts had been completely cut off. Ooh, yikes. That's not, that's not supposed to happen. Nope. <laughs> And very quickly, it became clear that this case was one of the most gruesome murders to ever happen in Chicago's history. But no one could have ever predicted that it was just the first killing carried out by a satanic cult of cannibalistic murderers. Today, we're covering the Chicago Rippers. Yes, welcome. We've done this quite a few times. Uh, it still blows my fucking mind every time. It's like regular murder, but it's like deeper and the sauce is on top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, boy, oh boy. We are going to be covering one of the most sick and twisted sadistic fucks to ever come out of the Midwest, <laughs> which is fucking saying something. I know. Because the Midwest gave us fucking Ed Gein. John Wayne Gacy. Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, Oprah Winfrey. Okay, take it easy. Don't check under your seat. <laughs> She's there. Oh, no. <laughs> She's actually an omnipotent being. <laughs> Sweet potato. Have you ever seen that video? <laughs> no, what? There, <laughs> there was a video that the soup used to play all the time where she was like back on Weight Watchers or something at some point. And she was like microwaving a sweet potato on what I think was YouTube because I don't think of like Instagram had stories at the time. And it was basically just her being like, sweet potatoes are amazing. Sweet potato. <laughs> she's like so excited about it. So the story of the Chicago Rippers begins in Chicago, Illinois on November 30th, 1953, when a couple named Jacob and Ruth brought their first child into the world. Robin Gecht. 
Although this is not a story about a big happy family, because from day one, Robin got the short end of the stick in life. His mom and dad, two kids in their early 20s, worked full-time as a waitress and a cashier respectively. And with everyone out of the house all day, Robin was left alone for most of the early parts of his childhood. And this went on until Jacob and Ruth decided that they just straight up didn't want to watch him anymore. Did you know you could return babies? I had no idea they had a return policy. You have to keep the gift receipt, though. That's the uh, only thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, that's no, no. the I, afterbirth. I heard, I heard that the fire department will take them without a gift receipt <laughs> at almost any time. Yeah, but they'll only give you a fucking store credit coupon. <laughs> they won't give you the full thing. Before Robin was even one year old, the couple decided to drop him off at his father's parents' house to let Grandma and Grandpa Gecht do the heavy lifting while they got back out there and enjoyed the prize of their lives they just fucking dropped him off at grandma's house and just fucking dipped out like permanently well not permanently but for a very long time this is my plan (laughs) living with his grandparents was way different from living with his actual parents the two older gecks were retired for the most part and spent the majority of their days playing and watching young robin they I thought you were going to say it was different because the promise of death was around every corner. (laughs) God damn, that's dark. (laughs) You know how living with your grandparents is? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, but I never thought of it that way. Every time time I hang out with my grandma, I'm like, gee whiz, grandma, I love hanging out with you. And every time you hang out with my grandma, you're like, gee whiz, grandma, you're going to die someday. thing okay quick aside when i was my my parents are both the youngest of large families so Mm -hmm. by the time i was born my grandparents were very old and like when i was in high school my grandpa was already 90 so like every time i would visit my grandparents when i was a child my mom would say just so you know your grandpa might die so be nice to him okay bye and then she would put me on a plane to go see my grandpa (laughs) that is so for a good five to six years i thought that every time i saw my grandpa was the last time i was gonna see my grandpa the way she says it sounds like you're actively killing your grandparents (laughs) every time i die be careful with this knife every time we send you he gets a little bit weaker (laughs) you're stealing his essence i don't know why we're putting you on this plane you're a magical creature yeah so i'm sorry i think that's just in my head now that i think about it that's kind of (laughs) fucked up actually you're tiny succubus and you're gonna slowly (laughs) steal his life can we rewind really quick hold on uh, and the Midwest gave us the most sick and twisted people, including Andrea Gazetta. <laughs> okay, that was my mom, okay? Soul stealer of note. Grandpa killer of late. You don't even need your soul. You're not even using it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that I, I, I do not identify with that. <laughs> my grandparents lived down the street from us. Oh, that's cute. So you had like a real and meaningful relationship with them daily. Yeah, with both sets. That's cool. That's super cool. Sorry. Sorry for that bummer. (laughs) I'm just going to back out. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That's her grandma. (laughs) (laughs) You came to visit too much and now I'm (laughs) too. So they even found out early on that Robin had a real gift for working with his hands. Grandpa Gecht, although retired, kept himself busy acting as a sort of neighborhood handyman. 
I'm not sure about you guys, but basically in every single neighborhood I've ever lived in, there's these, there's just one of these dudes who knows like a little bit about everything and just wants to help with literally everything. That's my stepdad. Yeah. yeah. I, I live with one in my house. There you go. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a Jake. Yeah. That's what I love is right now we're at like, we're at the, we're at the point in time where the generations are crossing over. Yeah. So like Jake just is taking the... I was going to say torch, but it's just a really hot wrench from the older <laughs> one and just being like, I promise to keep this neighborhood running. <laughs> we got a flat tire the other day and I have AAA and I was like, oh, I'll just call AAA. He's like, we're not. Call- I'll change the damn tire. <laughs> but he, what he didn't know is the jack that comes with my car is fucking useless. It is jacked. And he spent a good hour of just like, <gasps> call tri- don't call AAA. <laughs> like, it was a very big internal struggle. He changed the tire. Triple A did not. Just so you know, every time you drive that car, it might be the last time, okay? You're stealing that car soul. <laughs> You're stealing that Kia soul. <laughs> I just, I don't know. My my great grandfather was one of these people who just like loves to help out with everything. My grandfather. And I, I feel like grandfathers are like that in the inner monologue. It's just like, I just love to help, okay? I just want to help. If I fix things, the demons go away. Can't remember the dead Koreans if I keep working. Oh, God. I've killed so many men. My dad is slowly turning into this person. Though. And that's why the 60-hour work week was perfect for that generation. <laughs> keep them at bay. But no, my dad, like, my dad was never a handyman dude. He was always just like, pay for somebody else to fix it. And then recently he's like, I'm going to put in a new garbage disposal, I think. And I'm just who like, is who this are you? Man. Don't, don't it's, visit Paige's dad. dad. We want him alive. <laughs> okay. Okay. You steal a couple grandparents' souls and everyone gets in a huffy about it. <laughs> And from the time he was able to walk and talk, Robin's grandfather brought Robin along on jobs and even let the young boy help out on small jobs. But it wasn't long before little Robin was able to help out with pretty much any job, even supposedly being able to fix some household appliances all on his own. Cool. Oh, yeah. Kids learn fast at that age. Dude. Yeah. Scale their of brains one... are like sponges. <laughs> <laughs> and very soft heads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're squishy, but then one side is like rough for, for pots and pans. <laughs> <laughs> that I is... just imagine you washing your dishes with a toddler upside down. <laughs> Keep chewing so the blood doesn't go to your brain. <laughs> How okay, scale of one to ten, um how much do you trust a toaster fixed by a three year old? Uh negative four. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fair. It depends on the three year old. Okay, I'm just a little baby, gotta fix this toaster, gotta keep the demons at bay. Can't think about it, can't think about all the What kind of child were you? How many <laughs> demons were around? Gotta keep the demons at bay. I don't know. I've been distracted thinking about the British toaster I have at home. <laughs> it doesn't pop because British toasters don't pop. Paige, That's crazy. This is like Paige's- It's like an American toaster, but the toast pops up on the other side of the <laughs> <laughs> Like the way that we think about porn, Paige is like, mm, that toaster though. <laughs> <laughs> the back of the- anytime. Well, they never have porn in kitchens. That's not There's true. There's too many hot things. Yeah. I saw. No, that's, you're right. That's not true. That's very not true. They definitely have porn in kitchens. I, I was thinking of specifically fiesta wear themed porn, and yeah. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just a naked lady. Like it can go in the oven. <laughs> you want to put your dick fiesta where? 
I'm going to have a fiesta on your dick. <laughs> fiesta, you want to put your dick where? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best. That's the worst joke because you can't even make it an episode title. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's more r- like a me-esta. <laughs> hey. Hey, that's when you're cooking for one, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's the saddest way to describe it. <laughs> I'll scramble some eggs for you. <laughs> Robin genuinely loved the time that he spent with his grandparents, so you might understand how upset he got when his parents decided that it was time for him to come home at the age of five. Now again, do not get this twisted. Robin's parents didn't grow up and decide to take care of their child. They actually just fucked up and had two more kids in the span of five years and realized that kids work on baseball rules. Three strikes, you're a family. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, no. Robin hated his new life. He went from being the apple of his grandparents' eyes to living with his shitty parents and his younger brother and sister, Everett and Rochelle. Back to no one paying attention to him anymore, he quickly went from a cute carpenter baby to full-on shitty brat. Unfortunately, Robin's shitty attitude towards his family had long-lasting effects. When he was six years old, he was put in charge of watching his three-year-old brother, Everett, while his mom went shopping. But little Robin decided to ditch baby Everett to go hang out at a toy store. And while Robin was checking out the store's collection of Hot Wheels, which is a very ironic choice, his younger brother wandered into traffic and was hit by a car. Oh, no. Damn. Everett lived, but he suffered extreme brain damage. And then they buried him in the pet cemetery, and (laughs) he came back, but they don't come back the same. Mm Mm-mm. 30 boys go in. <laughs> no. One bad movie come out. <laughs> no, it's a good movie. I haven't seen the new one. I do. They they said extreme brain damage, which I've done some extensive Googling. And what I found is that extreme brain damage is actually the same as normal brain damage, but you can still do a sick kick flip. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Unable to care for the boy, the Gex sent Everett to live out his life in an institution. Damn. Imagine okay when i was an older kid it sucked to have a younger sibling but imagine like that happened and then you're like this is exactly what i want like you know what i mean like he kind of in a way got what he wanted which was to not have a little brother again yeah that's true he still did have a little sister and i do want to say he did purposefully ignore his little brother but what fucking mom puts a six-year-old in charge of a three-year-old? Yeah, six-year-olds should be in charge of no one. Yeah, six-year-olds shouldn't even be in charge of themselves. He went into a toy store and he wanted to look at fucking Hot Wheels, the lamest toy. Whoa. <laughs> What's up, dog? Hot Wheels were cool. They're fun. They're they were cool. And fucking 1956, you old fucks. No, they were also cool in 1996. That's yeah, fair. they had sweet tracks and launchers. Yeah. After the accident, Robin's relationship with his family was never the same. Both of his parents blamed him for what happened to Everett, and with one son gone and the other kind of just written off as a failure, they gave most of their love and attention to the youngest child, Rochelle. Which kind of makes sense. Rochelle doesn't give a fuck about Hot Wheels, (laughs) and Rochelle is here, so yeah, I kind of see why they did it. But Robin's father, Jacob, took things a step 
too far by constantly punishing Robin in cruel and sadistic ways. He would beat Robin. He forced him to sleep on the cold floor even during Chicago winters. Mm, that's horrible. By without the way. a blanket. Why would you do that? To, this is child abuse. Yeah. It is. And even threatened to send Robin to the same institution that they sent Everett to. Oh, my God. And as Robin got older, everything just kept getting worse for him, too. Kids at school bullied him for being Jewish, even though his family was non-practicing. And by the time he was in high school, he was stuck in a cycle of going to school and getting beat up and then coming home to his father, who would treat him just as badly as his schoolmates did. And with his life being a literal fucking nightmare, it should not surprise anyone that Robin started acting out. At school, he would pick on kids that were weaker than him. After class, he would steal things from nearby stores. And around the neighborhood, he was even known to start the occasional fire. You know, pretty standard sociopath murderer shit. I mean, you've listed off many things that end up in that, like, serial killer list. Like that checklist, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the serial i almost the said scavenger hunt did you guys find head trauma i've only found bedwetting <laughs> hey guys i found mutilated cats but like in real life a lot of them <laughs> i think my brother's a killer he looks at hot wheels weird he's very into them um says it keeps the demons at bay i don't know what he's talking about <laughs> can somebody help me <laughs> anyway um But the thing that really got his peers off his back was a big lifestyle change. Because tired of the constant anti-Semitism, Robin started telling his classmates that he wasn't Jewish, Christian, or Catholic. Which in Chicago were your only three options at the time. Yeah, 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 pretty much. He was a bona fide, bad-to-the-bone Satanist. And Not while, like the cool Satanist, though. No. This was, uh, this was uh, around 1966, which is the same year that Anton LaVey founded the Church of Satan. Um, but, you know fucking robin was not influenced by contemporary atheistic satanists anton and his buddies believed in using lucifer as an allegory for the need to indulge in your human desires and they played crazy calliope music (laughs) always wearing capes and shit they're very into theatrics yeah (laughs) but the 13 year old robin gecht was actually claiming that he worshipped the devil and this is something that we've talked about before uh where there are people who listen to the story of the Bible and go, I'm a root for that guy. You know what the thing is, though, is like, think of how many people dress up as Darth Vader. Like, do we like villains. There are some people that identify with villains. Because they I, typically have more interesting stories. That's true. I think there's also the thing of like, I think some people genuinely think that when the, when the uh, demon shit hits the fan, so to speak, uh that if they're on the side of the devil that they'll kind of be like he'll just look down and be like all humans i'm here oh shit is that dave dave what's (laughs) up dude (laughs) i remember you killed that go for me dog here let's go oh shit i crushed dave i tried to give him a high five i killed him (laughs) fuck plus i think sometimes james earl jones's voice just gets bitches wet (laughs) (laughs) accurate got me wet in the sandbox Everyone likes a tall, dark man <laughs> in all plastic <laughs> with a harmonica voice. I don't Everyone know. likes a tall, dark man whose body was played by a white guy and whose face was played by a different white guy. <laughs> but whose voice 
was Simba. No, Mufasa. Mufasa, Sorry. yeah. Mufasa. Simba. Simba. I love his voice. It's so pretty. But yeah, all of this is just to say that that's exactly what he was doing. He wasn't using satan or lucifer or the devil or what have you as like a clever analogy for how you should like live your best life as long as it's within other people's you know respect zones no he was literally just like i like the devil also when i'm home alone i touch my respect zone (laughs) (laughs) and while we while we do see him practice actual rituals and do worship in the future i think it's safe to assume that even from the beginning the satanic shit was a defense mechanism i think he learned pretty early on that you don't have to be the biggest or the strongest you have to just be the weirdest and the scariest and everyone will leave you alone Mm -hmm. in an attempt to straighten out his satanist son jacob sent his son to the chicago parental school and that name sounds like a loving center for education but in reality it was more like if school and prison had an angry love child and then left that child with the grandparents for the first five years of its life damn loose I mean, it sounds kind of like some of the schools that Charles Manson ended up in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've seen these places in the origin stories of cult leaders and murderers alike a thousand times over. The place was less focused on learning and more focused on teaching what they considered to be problem children a lesson for their delinquency and bad behavior and violent thoughts um, by beating them. And that's how they taught them shit. And we know how effective that is. Yeah. yeah. It's not. It's not, not effective at all. At all. As Don't early, your kids. Yeah. As early as 1923. This, by the way, is in 1960. Gosh, I want to say 1967. Mm-hmm. So as early as 1923, there were reports of horrific abuse and the torture of students, sometimes to the brink of death. The school even went as far as making its own form of solitary confinement by locking boys in guarded rooms for days at a time. Jeez. And while this small part that I'm about to get into is not pertinent to the story, I do want to take a second to point out that one of the absolute worst parts about the Chicago Parental School, the overrepresentation of black children in the school at all. Between 1916 and 1970, Chicago's black population boomed during the Great Migration as black Southerners tried to escape sanctioned legal discrimination. Although, honestly, what they found instead was just fucking hidden racism and discrimination even in northern urban settings. And unable to find work, and with times getting really tough, disease, desertion, and poverty left a lot of black children to become dependents of the state of Illinois, and the state was running out of places to dump these kids, so caseworkers in Illinois began illegally amending the documents of these black orphans instead of saying that they're orphans, writing that they were truants or delinquents so that they can put them in the Chicago parental schools. Jeez. It's hella fucked up. Yeah, that, again, has nothing to do with the story. But as we'll see in the case of Robin Gecht and those who came before him, these are essentially Guantanamo Bay style schools. And they act as a pipeline of kids who go from school like directly to prison. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really and it's it's setting kids up for failure. It's taking kids from rough backgrounds and turning them and molding them into fucking monsters. Yeah. Well, And not everyone responds to this kind of punishment by like, you know, like Robin's response was clearly to like 
oh, I, I don't like having power on me. I want to inflict power and pain on others. But like, there are a lot of people that this just breaks them yeah. and it makes them so much more susceptible to like drugs and alcohol or like further poverty because they yeah. just never get a chance mm-hmm. for love or kindness or anything. It's horrible. There's also, um, just by the way, if you want to read more about this topic and the overarching topic of institutional racism in Chicago at all, you should check out the book, The Criminalization of Black Children by Tara Eva Ayapong. It's fucking great. I read some of it for to research into this, and it was one of those things where like, they have a preview on Google, and I read a bit, and then I kept reading, and then I just fucking bought the book. And this hmm. was months ago. It's a great fucking book. It's very sad. And one of the things that they talk about in that book is kind of what you're talking about now, which is um, they had a black student who all of his white teachers were like, he's a fucking nuisance. He's never going to do anything. He just talks back and he tries to be too funny all the time. And then they sent that black student to black teachers and the black teachers were like, he's a fucking delight. He brings levity. He's ready to learn. He wants to laugh. We put him in an art program. He can fucking draw way better than the art teacher can. Like he's immensely talented, but nobody wants to pick him out because he fucking basically goes to a prison school and the reason he's in here is because his fucking parents died like he wasn't in here because he was a bad kid he was in here because he he got the short end of a stick and then the government went i don't know what to do i'm just gonna write that you're a fucking criminal and send you to the school where we beat you yeah it's fucking ridiculous so again that has nothing to do with the story it was just one of the most upsetting things i've read about the entire time that i was learning about this Mm. So this is a place that Robin was sent to. And prison schools are a lot like prisons themselves, where a lot of times the lessons learned are not to reform your ways, but just to make sure that you do whatever you can to not get sent back. And Robin promised himself that he would never return. And he meant this literally. In 1969, at the age of 16, he was suspended again from school for getting into a fight, and instead of risking a return to the Chicago Parental School, he just decided that it would be better to run away. So in order to escape, he began living with a man named Thomas Farley. Thomas Farley lived in the same neighborhood as the Gex, but he was kind of a bit of a pariah. It was partially because he was openly gay, which during the 1960s in Chicago was enough to make people want to avoid you. But it was also because he was rumored to be a pedophile. Oh, no. Yikes. Robin, who was just starting to realize that he was attracted to both men and women, saw he and Thomas's relationship as a relationship. Although the rest of us can see it as a clear case of abuse. You know, it's a fucking grown man who takes in a runaway teen. He's being groomed. Yeah, yeah. he's he's the neighbor. He's probably been being groomed for quite some time because oh, this is you can your parents don't get you. You can come hang out in my place. Yeah, if you ever need a beers, if you ever need a place to stay, yeah, you can fix my fucking toaster, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, and he very much developed a sexual relationship with Robin, and the living situation with. Thomas Farley as a whole really left an impact on the way that Robin thought about relationships. And this is something that will definitely come into play later, so it is important to remember this. Robin lived with Thomas until 1971 when the two had a falling out, which, weirdly enough, coincided directly with Robin's 18th birthday. Mm, awkward. Yeah. 
And unable to return home, and now without a place to stay, the freshly adult Robin Gecht found himself homeless. However, he wasn't completely useless. Robin used the skills and tools that he inherited from his grandfather to work as a handyman taking odd jobs around the city. And apparently he was so great at fixing shit that he started taking full-on construction jobs in a matter of months. Robin worked wherever he could find work and slept wherever he could find a place to sleep. He slept at friends' houses. He slept on employers' couches. He even had a few lovers here and there. And one of these lovers was the 17-year-old waitress by the name of Rosemary McCaffrey. In 1975, when Robin was 22 and Rosemary was 17, she tracked him down and told him that she was pregnant and that he was the father. Oh, no. Yikes. Although Robin took a page out of his parents' playbook and decided that if you're not ready to be a parent, you can just fucking avoid that shit. Just fucking run away. If you don't... That's them's... That's ostrich rules. If you don't see it, it don't count. <laughs> I don't think. Have you ever seen an ostrich? Yeah. That's why they've never been convicted of a crime. <laughs> Is this why you don't open your mail? <laughs> what? Because if you don't see the bill, it doesn't count. Oh, yeah, exactly. See, now you're getting it. <laughs> Yikes. Robin kept bumming around the city of Chicago until 1977 when he was 24. Something had changed in Robin, and suddenly he was all about being part of a family. And whether that was personal growth or something darker is something that we're actually going to delve into on a future episode. Okay. Yeah. But before you feel like this is Robin's path to redemption, allow me to burst that optimistic bubble and tell you that Rosemary and Robin's relationship is not one that many at this time would call romantic or even normal. The two had finally settled down and even had two more kids, which, as we learned earlier, automatically makes you a family. You get three kids, strike, you're out. You're a family now. So have fun with that. But Robin was constantly playing host to a long line of both young girls and young boys. And he insisted that his family give him and his guests a lot of privacy. Ooh. Yikes. And to Rosemary, the girls made sense. According to friends and family, Rosemary knew about Robin's affairs and even got off on getting to know the women that he cheated on her with. Weird. But Mm -hmm. she could never figure out why he always invited young men to stay with them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, to us, it is like not normal because that's just not our thing. If that is your thing, that's fine. As long as there's, you know, a consent. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise it's just, bad all around yeah it's consenting adults do what you're gonna do but like a don't bring kids in it and b everyone needs to know the game that's being played exactly when rosemary pried into the topic robin had a perfect excuse cooked up these boys were actually the first employees of his brand new company r and r electrical Ooh, so that's an hr violation as well (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna need to file some paperwork first of all this is totally inappropriate secondly it is thursday and are those fucking jeans are you (laughs) kidding me come on leaving your briefcase everywhere god (laughs) 
<laughs> I am just imagining electricians in business suits for some reason. Like, why? That seems ineffective. Yeah. No, look, my suit. It's bright orange. <laughs> and it covers my plumber's crack. <laughs> uh, in order to cut costs, he was operating the business out of his home. And to incentivize people to come work for him, he was offering employees room and board. Oh, that's dark. Yep. Robin may have been a master handyman, but the best thing he ever built was the facade of a normal life. From That's the, a beautiful sentence. I'm thank you. I'm going to just give you five you. stars right here for that mm-hmm. sentence. Gorgeous. Keep it Hold going. Hold on. We're going to do it one more time. <clears throat> Robin may have been a master handyman. What is that accent? I'm a Swedish plumber. I'm I, here to fix your pipes. I think it's an Antonio Banderas. Robin must, may have been a sick. master handyman, but the best thing he ever built was the facade. Of a normal life. I'm back to smoking cigarettes. And just for this bit. And the Cannes Film Festival for <laughs> deepest. The Palme d'Or for deepest voice goes to. James Earl Jones. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> From the outside, Robin looked like a formerly troubled youth who had pulled himself up by the bootstraps and become a family man with his own construction company. In fact, apparently, he was in talks with the diner chain Denny's to renovate a large portion of their buildings in the Chicago area. At a quick glance, Robin was a self-made man who was creating a fucking great life for themselves. Have you... Okay, you've been to Chicago, Andrea. Many times. Have you been to Chicago, Paige? I have not been to Chicago. Every single person in Chicago is drunk by 9.30 p.m. Every day. I was... I went to... uh, I went to an original pancake house i think was the name of the restaurant i went to and one denny's while i was in chicago i mean you're you're going to drunk tanks essentially i mean you're going to where the drunkards are i also just went on the subway and walked on the streets and if you're gonna say well that's where the drunk people are it's chicago that's where the drunk people are that's their slogan okay fine. chicago Chicago, where where the the drunk drunk people people are. are You got a fucking problem with it? <laughs> it's not a Chicago accent, but I want to see that Little Mermaid reboot song. <laughs> I want to go where the drunk, drunk people, people are. I don't remember. I want to go where the drunk people are. I want to see, want to see them swaying, <laughs> barfing along down those what do you call them? Subway cars. L trains. <laughs> up where they walk. Up where they lean. Up where they have explosions in their spleens. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Jesus. Are you I about would... to visit your grandfather? Because that was dark. <laughs> I was going to say, piss on floors that we clean. <laughs> Riding the sea. Wish I could be at a Denny. <laughs> this is my favorite game we play on Cold Podcast. <laughs> And it's when Paige sings a beautiful song, and but before that, I try to sing a version of it that's bad. <laughs> All of this is just to say that fucking renovating a Denny's in Chicago is nothing to fucking sneeze at. Is that a phrase? 
Yeah, like it's that's nothing a phrase. to sneeze at. It's nothing to sneeze. I don't understand that. I've never said that phrase out loud before until now. I sneeze at shit all the time. <laughs> I sneeze at cats, dog. <laughs> I sneeze at cats, comma, dog. Uh, uh, Sorry. Was it because you're allergic? Yeah. I I just wanted to say, for a while, Robin Gecht was literally walking around his neighborhood acting like hot shit, being like, hey, hey, Johnny, you fucking hear about me? Denny's, baby! I'm renovating all the Denny's. The Denny's over there on 33rd. The Denny's over there on 32nd. The Denny's over there on 30th. Yo, these motherfuckers ever heard about hash browns? I'm about to get cash browns. (laughs) (laughs) He was, he was so, I'm not even fucking kidding. He treated getting the Denny's uh, like electrical job like rappers treat getting signed to a label. He was bawling out in preemptive like celebration for getting this fucking job. Yo, the Waffle House, it's a mess. Life in the Denny's is better than anything <laughs> under the sea. Just saying. It's very good. Like, it was, like it it was a, a terrible Sebastian impression. But everyone inside the Gecht household, from his family to his new employees, knew that things were getting darker and darker. Robin's wife and lovers all reported that behind closed doors, he was meshing together sex and violence at an alarming rate. According to everyone, Robin preferred rough sex, bordering on BDSM, which... Consenting adults. Yes. Do what you're going to do. Consenting adults. Age appropriate. Put your harnesses on pumpkins, just like that amazing post in our Facebook. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do love the phrase bordering on BDSM because it all, whenever I hear bordering, I think of, like, Republicans talking about Mexico. <laughs> These goddamn BDSMs coming in here taking hard work in us blowjobs. <laughs> they come here on their leashes <laughs> with their ball gags with harnesses just ready to rappel down that wall. You know they're not sending their best. They're sending their gimps. They're sending <laughs> their dominatrices. I'm just imagining someone rappelling down a wall by a butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> it's Yeah, it's the dildo with yeah, the suction cup on it. That they're using to climb like a rock wall. Dildo. It's so good. Yeah, all of that song is being played with the sounding rod. <laughs> oh, oh, ow. Dun, 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 dun. That hurts so good. <laughs> Keeps the demons at bay. That's what I always say. That's what grandpa always said. <laughs> oh, God, no. Uh, get it out of my brain. <laughs> so he was having this rough sex bordering on BDSM, but that trend kept escalating until the only way that he could get off was if he was allowed to make small cuts on his partners during sex. I mean, cutting people during sex is scary, but have you ever sold your voice to a sea witch? (laughs) 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 It's the only thing thing that gets me off. (laughs) It's to sell my voice to a sea witch and then capture a man's heart. (laughs) Flotsam, jetsam, now I've got a voice. Oh, man. And Robin's wife, Rosemary, admitted later to friends that Robin had been kidnapping her parents' dog and bringing it back to his house so that he could have sex with it. Why? So he could create a dog with people on its faces. Oh, God. That's what I said now. Dogs with some people on their faces. 
Bow wow wow now. Oh. <laughs> well, this is about to be the most timely sentence I've ever said. Uh, allegedly, this arrangement only ended after he discovered that the dog had become pregnant. So he chose to kill the dog because, again, allegedly, he thought that he was the father of those puppies. That's what you get if you have dollar store pregnancy tests. <laughs> um, that's upsetting. That's disgusting. That's what they learn at the Chicago Parental School. I'm just going to say what's truly upsetting is that he ruined a chance for science to see <laughs> what those children could have been. <laughs> Were they a dog with a people face or a people with a dog face like Egyptian gods? Mm, 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 mm. We'll never Science. Know. Science. <laughs> Those fucking Egyptian statues be thick, right? <laughs> no, they're not. They're very skinny and they're boxy. T- they're 2D. Oh, they, they fucking... They fucking They got stacked, shoulders, bro. dog. Yeah, they swole. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but eventually, Robin's sadistic sexual preferences became too much for any of his lovers and he realized if he was going to get what he wanted he was going to have to take it and not ask for it and on the night of may 23rd 1981 robin and at least two of his employees piled into his van and began patrolling chicago's area five it was on this night that the men picked up a young black chicago sex worker named linda sutton and that's where we'll pick up next week for part two of the Chicago Rippers. Damn. Holy shit. Yeah. We made it. You did it. That is, it is, okay. I do promise that this episode is a lot of sad shit uh, because I, as Paige and Andrea know, I have restructured everything so that it follows a kind of more linear story path if that makes sense it'll be a little bit more interesting for the audience and i also you know had to take out some visual aids and components like that um this one was pretty much all the sad shit and ironically the next one more murders more fun it's like a six flags you know (laughs) more murders more fun that's not their slogan i'm pretty sure i don't know have you ever been to a six flags they murdered that old guy in the suit they did murder that old guy in the suit (laughs) what the venga bus was coming but no one warned him and it hit him it hit him and killed him those giant ears and no hearing aids. They kept they kept yelling, the Venga bus is it's coming. coming. It's gonna run you over. You're now gonna get out be of the way. Hey. You're gonna die under tires. Is this real? Oh my god. It is not real. Did that guy really die? No. No, and it was a real guy. It was I think it was a lady. Maybe. Could have been wrong. It's gonna be a murder. It's gonna be this dancing guy. My grand, my granddaughter is coming, and every time she visits, I get a little weaker. I think she's stealing my soul. This might just be the last time. I hope she never visits. Why do they keep sending her? I wish that I was dead. She wears a creepy seashell. (laughs) She has a weird eel friend. In fairness, this was in Florida, and I did collect seashells. They keep the demons at bay. I killed so many people (laughs) in all the wars I was in. I keep them in the seashells. Do they haunt my dreams still? Next time you see a collection of seashells, just imagine <laughs> that each one is a soul that I've stolen. 
So this episode has been a little rough. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I wanted to provide for you was a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of closure. A little bit of levity Levity. One of the most disgusting parts of the research that went into today's episode, which included a lot of disgusting research, was all of the descriptions of the Briar Rabbit Motel. (laughs) It really sounded like one of the sleaziest and grossest places in the state of Illinois. And somehow, it is still open. That is amazing. The Briar Rabbit Motel, located in Via Park, Illinois, is still... Real quick, everyone in Chicago calls it Villa Park. Oh, so that's right. So if you're right. from Chicago, that's what they call it. They call it Tortilla because uh, they can't pronounce Get things in Spanish. Get the fuck out. Yeah, they just call it Villa Park. Armando said Via Park like a billion times. I was like, what is I've never heard of this name. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Villa Park. It's because they steal things from It's because we're from Chicago, okay? We're coming from Chicago. We're going to eat the pizza. We pronounce L's and everything. It's even <laughs> really wrong, though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is, it, it's in ugh, Villa Park. Thank you. Illinois. Uh, it is still, it still rents rooms by the hour. Hello. It still has mirrors on the ceiling. Yeah. And it currently has a three and a half star rating that's, on Yelp. That's like oh my three God. more stars than I expected. Wow. We were doing the live show while we were on the road. It only had three stars. So it's gone up. It's, a star. It is only the Briar Rabbit Motel is only getting stronger. Oh, my God. Did I tell you guys where I was honeymooning? but only for like three and a half hours (laughs) well most of the reviews on yelp call attention to how surprisingly clean the property is i mean that's good to know and how attentive the staff can be which is probably the last because the last time the staff wasn't attentive and it wasn't so clean is when they found a fucking body in the woods behind the motel yeah yeah. four stars can't even tell someone dad over here (laughs) (laughs) oh edit three stars ghost haunted me and the ice machine was broken you know what though the thing is blood cleans off mirrors real well god why do you know that did you kill your grandfather you can use coca-cola to clean blood off sidewalks i don't like this information you know because it's acid based yeah Mm. i learned that today at a party a child's birthday party yes yes it was a child's birthday people just tell me shit like that now because of this podcast (laughs) that's fair people just walk up and are like my mom owns a bunch of weird robes and worships a guru named kevin who lives in her living room uh do you want to talk about it that's great because usually when an older white person owns a lot of robes it is very bad (laughs) uh also, one of the other things is that some people know that the motel is the, the motel that the Chicago Rippers crime spree began, and they want to stay there for that reason alone. All oh, I'm saying no. is, look, oh, no. if you want to stay at a surprisingly clean motel where someone definitely got murdered, just go to any Motel 6. Yeah, dude. They leave the light on, baby, and those lights are cop lights. Always. <laughs> But real talk, though, every single hotel has had people die in it. Yeah, every single one. Since the invention of cocaine and fucking, every hotel and motel has somebody died. Yes, especially if you're in a big city. Exactly. Especially, yeah. Yeah. And if you, by the way, Paige. Yes. Ooh, baby. Mm. If you're looking for a romantic getaway 
in Via slash Villa Park, Illinois. <laughs> if you're looking to get straight up murdered, <laughs> New York's favorite club is yes. <laughs> if you're looking to get up straight up stabbed in the bedroom, then <laughs> rooms at the Briar Rabbit Motel are $75 a night. An extra $65 for a room with mirrors on the walls and the ceiling. And for an additional $15, they have even offered to wheel in a romantic painting into the room during your stay just to get those juices flowing, baby. What, what is, is the painting? painting? You want to yeah, see it? Yes. so bad. Okay. I'll well, show you also, the painting. Uh, oh so it's, it's 75 and then an additional 65 It is $75 a night and then an additional $65 if you want the room with the mirrors all over the fucking So place. that's not far off from what I am paying for our wedding accommodations where we have a waterfall shower. Wow. Waterfall shower. But is there mirrors on the ceiling and walls? No, because the room is designed to look like a cave. So I've got the photo here. Okay. The photo that they will bring into the room, and I'm not sure because I <laughs> talked to the guy and he wouldn't tell me if it's something that they put on the wall or if it's a real painting. I'm just picturing like when you're on HGTV and they're like, are you ready to see your new house? And they just wheel a picture. What? <laughs> Why? This is an actual photo of Paige and Jake at their wedding. <laughs> this, is, this looks like what I commissioned yeah. you to paint us for yeah. our wedding. So this is this is a uh, uh, an erotic novella style painting, like a what? cover. Who needs a painting? What it's not even. This? There's not even boobs. Like it's <laughs> would the internet exists. We have porn. No one needs this painting. No, this look at that. That's why it's an additional fifteen dollars. <laughs> The thing is... This painting is extra five channels of HBO totally free. Totally included in the price. The thing is, they used to have that painting in every room. Wait, what? But it got damaged. And so now they're like, we have to keep it behind glass and only wheel it in. No, I don't know if that's real. Oh, Oh my God. In my head, I'm like, this is why, right? Like, why else would you do that? (laughs) I don't know why you would need it. But now if I ever stay there, I am 100% paying for that painting. Yeah, it's only fifteen more dollars extra. So, <laughs> I just booked our stay for Paige's wedding this week because yes. we suck at planning. <laughs> and yeah, we also the funniest part was we uh, we called like the Madonna Inn. Like, what was that? Like three days ago. Yeah, and, and we're like, like, "Hey, do you have any rooms?" And they were just kind of like, like, "We're totally no. booked for Saturday." <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's mostly my family. Uh, they had a waiting list that Marie got on and she got called two days ago that they were like, hey, something opened up and you are the first person on the waiting list or whatever. So she thankfully got a room. That's dope. But That's it's been dope. sold out for like two weeks. We just got yeah. an Airbnb. We're cool. We'll yeah. go to the Madonna in sometime. So did you look at any of the rooms when you called the Madonna? We did not. No, because they were just like, hey, we're we're out for yeah. Saturday. We kind of cool. knew that that was the point, but we're I'm sure shit going to be walking into a lot of people's rooms yeah with permission yeah well because i mean like a solid half of the hotel is just people for the wedding yeah exactly yeah Yeah, so anyway so i get home this morning because i left to work on stuff and i come home and armando is like so how much is a room that's the first sentence i hear and i'm like i was like babe i already got a room like don't worry about and then he's like 
but does it have mirrors on the ceiling? And I was like, oh, God. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think the phrasing I said was, so are the mirrors on all of them or are the mirrors on just like a couple rooms? And the guy goes, 65 additional dollars for the one with the mirrors. I'm still the painting. The, the painting, painting yeah. baffles the, the fact that they would like, bring it yeah. in for you. What is that about? What's that for? Who what is, is that who for? Is that for? I don't know. Oh, this here. This is artistic Viagra. Yeah, <laughs> just looking at it gets me rock hard. <laughs> so I mean, strange. Back in the day, I don't know if we described it. It is a. It is a. It's uh, the cover of a romance novel. Yeah, but it is specifically. It's one of those. Uh, what's it called? Like uh, 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 like wagons pulled by a horse station wa- uh, station wagon. No, nope. no, nope. that's a car. It's uh, just carriage. a carriage. Wa- it's a covered wagon. Covered wagon. Uh, oh, it, a it's a stagecoach. Is that? Yeah, stagecoach. Stagecoach. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, stagecoach. It is a stagecoach that is pulled over with two beautiful black horses, and uh, it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful moonlit night, and it's by the edge of a riverbank, next to like a hay bale, and there is a beautiful woman in a red dress and she is wrapped in the arms of a succulent slightly hispanic man <laughs> reminiscent of antonio banderas but they're not even kissing. they're not even they're kissing like, they're, they're not like, even kissing they're just embracing but they have the face of them looking at each other and it's not quite romance and it's not quite lust it's hunger and the the the, 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 the feeling <laughs> the feeling on their lips says we shouldn't do this, but oh, I want it so bad. <laughs> You're giving way too much to what is a very basic <laughs> painting. A, it's a very shitty painting. Here, here's the thing, because when you said they'll wheel in a romantic painting. Yeah. I assumed it was porn. I assumed it was porn, too. I assumed it was going to be. Like, yeah, that's just how we that say Elizabethan we got porn channels. Where they're like two topless ladies and one's just like pinching the other one's nipple. I For was sure. thinking it was going to be mm-hmm. something like that. And it was it's very tame. Yeah, it's ridiculously bad for a place uh, that That's people like, died at and that you can fucking get mirrors on the goddamn ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like porn for a time when women's ankles were illegal. You yes. know, like yes. that's yeah. what that's for. I think the thing is, is because they rent rooms by the hour, they didn't want to make it too romantic. <laughs> and like, if they're like, they just want to insinuate. If you want to cover up, maybe there's already porn on the walls and that's your choice to oh, cover it up. Oh, that's, see, that's that smart. That makes more makes sense, sense $15 right? charge to tame down the porn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you have anything a bit more child friendly? No. No. <laughs> absolutely not. Here, You're at the wrong hotel. Take your Peppa Pig nonsense somewhere else. <laughs> Here, this is what we call the mistress painting. Um, if you're feeling like the mirrors are maybe just giving you the wrong vibe, you can add a painting about love and shit. I hate. I hate with all of my heart. When I'm trying to sleep and I, there's a visible mirror in the room because yeah, I'll always look you. at it and like I'll see shit that's not there and it scares me. If I'm surrounded by mirrors, that's she's Paige is pointing to our like little mirror. That's fine. Imagine you're sleeping and underneath there are the mirror? underneath oh my God. the mirror. There are mirrors everywhere. I grew up in California, baby. We got earthquakes. You will die. It would be me opening my eyes in the morning and seeing myself in bed that would terrify me that it's such a yeah mindfuck. right yeah. oh it's so creepy yeah 
<laughs> Did oh, I God. die? <laughs> Is this heaven? What's that painting doing? Here? Imagine doing an acid trip and doing that the mirrored oh, ceiling if you, like have an out of body no. experience. If you if you want to send me your best non sexual <laughs> erotic <laughs> painting I am willing to pay upwards of $15 for it. (laughs) Please get at me. Yes, uh, please. And make everyone look like Antonio Banderas. I'm talking (laughs) the man. I'm talking the The lady. The horses. horses. The stagecoach. Just a big Antonio Banderas head. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, you can send that to Mondo Does Stuff, uh, at Mondo Does Stuff on Twitter and Instagram, or you can go to at Mondo Does Stuff dot com for show dates uh i got a bunch of stuff coming up for san diego and the palm desert baby so come see those shows thank you bye yeah i think in that painting it should be antonio <laughs> i don't need no erotic painting baby i've never been more in love with you than this moment right now antonio banderas get the fuck out of here i love you Paige, can I ask you something? Yes. Staying at this fancy schmancy hotel, right? Yeah, yeah, How yeah. How much would they charge you to wheel in a sexy painting? <laughs> I'm huh? going to have to ask. <laughs> and where would you hang it in your cave? You call the front desk and they're like, hello, the Madonna Inn. I was and like, you're can like, you send up an erotic piece of art? <laughs> Who told? <laughs> That'll be up in 30 minutes. <laughs> we have to get the painter here, stat. And they're like, they paint a new one each time. <laughs> what room is Andrea in? <laughs> 6969. 69. Yeah, we need a fresh painting because that painting's got to be wet, baby. Oh, <laughs> oh, the painting is the most ridiculous part. And I love it so much. Oh. Uh, hey, guys, if you want to send me any painting that is a Van Ponio Banderas, oh please my God. do it. I wanted so bad, even just a Photoshop. Like, I don't care. It would make me so happy. Whatever that means to you. I don't know if it's a man body with a horse head. I don't know if it's <laughs> like a... Antonio Banderas, but as a centaur. Yeah. Horses yeah, with that. Antonio's on <laughs> their faces. <laughs> That's what I said. Now, ponies that have Antonio Banderas as, as a life force. Go ahead. He yeah, was like, in Zorro. Like, is it a horse that you're like, it just feels like Antonio Banderas? <laughs> like, what does that mean to you? Please send it to me on all the things at Sundress Comic or check out my non-erotic, mostly paintings at Andrea Gazetta on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, also Spy Kids. <laughs> he was also in Spy he Kids. He was also in Spy Kids. Um, if you know of any local community theaters casting a production of uh, the little mermaid that are <laughs> cool with a body positive mermaid i will wear the clams oh my god get at me at page wesley on twitter or at rampage wesley on instagram i want to say this so bad <laughs> it's just like like the little mermaid but like lizzo size there you go the lizzo mermaid the lizzo mermaid the lizzo mermaid that would be amazing actually i, I only want to do this if that. lizzo is either either we like switch roles every night and one night we play the sea witch and the other night we play the mermaid i just took a dna test turns out i'm a hundred percent sea witch <laughs> okay guys you have to do 
<laughs> if if anyone's gonna make fan art, it has to be Paige and Lizzo duetting as mermaids. Please, <laughs> I want to see it. This is my final request. I promise I'll stop asking you to make cool shit. Why forks great till they gotta be great? <laughs> Dingle hopper, comb your hair out your face. <laughs> oh my it. god! Hey, seagull so with a loud crab friend. <laughs> Oh, if you like our show, thank you. We love you. (laughs) I love you so much, I'm going to spend that extra $15 for a non-sexual erotic painting. (laughs) Um, If you like our show, then please consider following us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to give us uh, questions, comments. Uh, You can send us Colts that you want us to cover. Or ideas for Speculation Zone episodes for our Patreon listeners. Yeah. You can do that at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. And if you want to send us cool art shit or snacks or Fago or your soul inside of a seashell, you can send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237. Like Like the the Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Uh, And if you want to learn more about our show and if you want to see a bunch of cool stuff or if you want to check out our shop and see all the t-shirt, pin, poster, fucking prayer candle. We got a bunch of cool shit up there now. Uh, You can go to cultpodcastshow.com. And if you're like, I love these episodes. I want more episodes like this. You should check out our Patreon where we have the speculations. That is true. Yes. Our episodes now are sponsored by our patrons. And one of the rewards you get for being a patron is a shout out on the show. So today's episode is sponsored by (laughs) Laura, a.k.a. Leader of the Legion of Boom. It is a jujitsu team name for the ladies in our class. Laura says, I've been listening since they were I've been listening since there were like two episodes, and as always, I love y'all. If you ever head anywhere remotely close to Birmingham, Alabama, hit your girl up. I can teach you how to throw people and land a perfect arm bar. Much love and glad to be able to help support y'all and this show. Can't wait. Laura and the Legion. Laura, Laura, a.k.a. the leader of the Legion of Boom. That's pretty amazing. That's fucking dope. According to a stranger at my hairdresser this morning, I need to learn judo so I can learn how to fall correctly. So (laughs) can't wait, Laura. Yeah, well, see, that's judo where they teach you how to fall. Jiu-jitsu, they're the ones throwing those judo motherfuckers. Nice. Yes. Um, this week's shout out also goes out to Phoebe, Aww. who said that she couldn't think of anything fun, so we think have to think of something fun. Okay, Phoebe, like from like from Friends. Yeah, my my first thought was Friends. What is that? Life is always gonna send away. What the <laughs> fuck just <laughs> happened? I think that's the <laughs> demon <laughs> friends melody. That's, that's just not even. I'm dumbfounded. That song is a cultural landmark. <laughs> So no one told you life was going to be this way. Phoebe, Phoebe, Phoebe. Your job's a joke, you broke. Your love life's DOA. coffee shops. I feel like... I haven't seen an episode of Friends in my goddamn life. Wait, what? I've never seen an episode of Friends. Phoebe, I know you're out there. And I know that Friends is probably 
not the greatest comparison. <laughs> but I also feel like, how have you gone this long, Armando, without seeing an episode of Friends? Ironically, the more Friends you have in real life, the less you watch Friends on the television. That makes a lot of sense. Accurate. It's. Yeah. I feel seen. Yeah. Uh, Phoebe, she has great music on Friends. Mm-hmm. But... I'm trying, I'm trying to think of it like an yeah that's the best part is it's bad and great at the same time uh much like this like, podcast <laughs> that was the rembrandts uh and that song is probably why they were able to retire uh, yeah uh yeah i would say phoebe's music is hilariously bad but also heartfelt and great like this podcast oh. um but in general phoebe's had uh understatement of the year a rough summer damn so we thank you so much for actually taking time to listen to this because our show can still kind of be a bummer sometimes Uh, but i think one of the cool things about all of our episodes is that there is light on the other side people do get out people go through things that are terrible very tough and rough and they stand up and come out the other side and we all will you know 100%. That's a thing to remember. We're here. We're telling you life's gonna be okay. God damn it. You're off rhythm. So I just want to say to Phoebe, thanks for being a patron and stay stick in there. Be great. Thanks, Don't be French. Thanks for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Watch Golden Girls. It's better than Friends. Yeah, dude. I fucking love Golden Girls. Yeah. You be can- more. You know what, Phoebe? I'm going to say that your shout out name is your shout out name is betty white thanks betty white (laughs) thanks for giving us your money betty we love you i'm gonna say instead of phoebe your shout out name is blanche because thank you for being a friend oh you're great Mm -hmm. real quick top real real fucking quick betty white betty crocker who better betty white betty crocker damn now you guys gotta fight you guys have two weeks to fly to birmingham and learn jujitsu we don't have to do anything that's betty white versus betty crocker yeah uh i'm so excited this next shout out goes to risky cheddar (laughs) it sat on the counter for slightly too long long, but you are willing to gamble and take a chance on that cheddar and i love it risky cheddar is a quesadilla at 3 a.m on a wednesday Mm. risky cheddar sounds like a mouse's uh, like mafia name. Risky Cheddar was definitely the rejected cheese. It's flavor. <laughs> I hope it's you're... Risky Cheddar. We took a cyanide capsule and put it into one. <laughs> risky Cheddar. I hope you're from Wisconsin. You're making our people proud. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and donors. This week we are only doing uh, three because we have to do a little bit better organization of what to call you. Um, if you have not received an email asking you what you would like to be called please reach out to us at coltpodcastshow at gmail.com or go to coltpodcastshow.com and you can go over to the contact page or you can send us a direct message right on patreon uh, and i'll be trying to get those out to you but like i said and like i keep saying i'm basically running a business and these two have real jobs mm-hmm. and we're all very busy and we're trying to make it work but we're getting better week after week so thank you for bearing with us and we will be getting better as time goes on yes yes if you want to become a patron if you want us to make fun of your name 
uh, and how you sound like you belong on Friends and then end up just going with the Golden Girls reference. Yeah, fuck it. It's uh, better than Friends. <laughs> and then trying to speculate who would win in a fight. Uh, <laughs> Betty White or a literal casserole dish. I'll own a fucker with a casserole. <laughs> That's part of jujitsu. It's my best weapon. Um, then you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast and check out all of the awesome tiers and rewards that you can get there by joining our Patreon. Yay. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And from the bottom of our hearts, no matter what you're going through, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, we absolutely love you. Yes. Each so much. And We're so grateful you. for all of you. Except for you, Ryan. You know what you did. I what don't know. They do? <laughs> what do they do? The fuck Armando. is up, dog? No. What's up, Ryan? Armando. What's up? What are you at? You at work? <laughs> you in the car listening to this shit? Turn you, it off. You commuting? What get the your, fuck? Get There's your shit together, Ryan. Some... I know you French deep down. <laughs> French dip down? Oh, all right. God. There's some dude right French now dip. just like, he <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Armando. I will get my life together. <laughs> Fucking Ryan piece of shit. Okay, well, with that, <laughs> I think I'm going to say um, don't drink the water at the Briar Inn Motel. Oh, you literally can't. Hotel. You literally can't. In the rooms, they have a sign that says water. Boil it before you drink it. Oh, God. Oh my you God. literally cannot. How do they still have three and a half stars? F- fucking people be fucking. <laughs> Perv's going to perv. I was hoping you were going to read some of the Yelp reviews, but... They're all just about how bad the water is and how great the paintings are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, don't sell a sea witch your soul and (laughs) don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye! Bye. What's the over-under that there are actually any Ryans that listen to the show? (laughs) A lot. There are definitely Ryans that listen to the show. What's wrong with you? (laughs) 